Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, July 31st, 2019 edition of Invest Talk, also known as Fed Rate Cut Day. And as always, there's a lot to talk about, and especially the, the Fed cut, the Fed meeting, the Fed announcement. A lot happened today. Uh, it wasn't just a rate cut, but it's about what the market reaction was to it and how that might affect various sectors, the market as a whole, and the economy. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will give me a call with your investing questions. And when and if you do make that call, you can shape our show to your particular advantage and help, and we can help you make that next step towards financial freedom specifically. Uh, And we do that each and every weekday with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Now, this hour is for you. It's all about you and your thoughts, your concerns, your questions. I want to hear all of them and we can help you make that next step in making good financial decisions. Now, our anytime line is open now, so I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on the show. I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, my main talking point today is concerning a story that the for the past 22 years, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has told investors that Long-term growth is far more important than short-term profits, and that has certainly done him and his shareholders very well over that time, and we're going to talk about that. Can that continue? Uh, Will that be good for the stock in the near term as well as the long term? Because those can be two separate uh, conclusions, two separate answers, and we're going to talk about that. Also, I want to touch on mistakes, financial mistakes. We all make mistakes. I'm sure you've made a mistake. I know I have. And this is a great poll by TD Ameritrade, who just happens to be uh, our broker that we use for our clients. But it was very interesting to see which generations uh, admitted to mistakes and what types of mistakes and even if you haven't made these specific mistakes yourself, maybe you can help you learn from other people's mistakes here on the show today. Next, I talked about some 12 money habits to close my our Monday show, and I didn't get to all of them. I think I only got to the first five or six, so I'm going to get to the rest of those. And then lastly, uh, a, a money trick that might help you. So we're, that's what's on my mind. That's what I want to talk about, but ultimately, I want to hear from you. Are you concerned? Are you concerned about the sell-off in the market today? Because that's what we got. 
we got a pretty healthy sell-off. The NASDAQ was down about 1.6%. The S&P was down about 1.3%. Small caps were down about 1%. It was a broad-based sell-off in the markets after the Fed announced that they're cutting their Fed funds rate by a quarter point. The, the, the range is now going to be instead of two and two two and a quarter to two and a half, it's going to be two to two and a quarter percent. That is the rate cut that they that they announced. Some were expecting a 50 basis point cut, but really they only got 25 basis points. But they also ended QT pretty much a month early. They were going to end it next month. I'm sorry, they were going to end it in September. And now they're saying today's the last day. They're ending it uh, at the end of today because today's the end of the month, right? So uh, no more QT, which means the Fed is no longer shrinking its balance sheet, no longer pulling liquidity out of the system through QT. And the big question that the market wants answered is, is this the start of a bunch of rate cuts or is this kind of a one and wait and see? And what the Fed or Jerome Powell said was that this is kind of a, a first cut. There could be one or two more, but he doesn't see this as the start of a long-term rate-cutting cycle. So in a lot of ways, I would consider this a hawkish cut, meaning we're cutting, but don't expect a whole lot of cutting in the near future. And that was something the market didn't like overall because guess what? The market's addicted to QE or addicted to low rates, right? Addicted to Fed easing. And the, the market spoke late last year and said, you are too tight. The Fed has cut too much and the market sold off in accordance, right? And the Fed using language, basically said, okay, our next move is no longer going to be raising, it's going to be cutting. And they now followed through on that seven, basically eight months uh, since their their last rate cut, or sorry, rate hike. (laughs) They've started that rate cutting cycle. So what's happening now is the market wanted more, they wanted more dovish talk, and they didn't get it. So you saw the dollar rally, you saw markets sell off across the board, and you saw gold fall as well, which not a shocker, it was overbought, but I've been saying this for a while, pullbacks, buying opportunities. And to me, this is a pretty decent buying opportunity on that front. So I hope that you weren't too exposed to the equity markets uh, today because this is a, a time where you want to be hedged, you want to have elevated level of cash, diversify into different asset classes, etc. And you know, I, th- I think this is kind of a buy the rumor, sell the news type of event where you know you bit the market was bid up on the expectation of the next Fed rate cut. We got it. And it was actually a rate cut that was worse than expected because of the hawkishness. That's kind of where we the market ended today, right pretty close to the lows of the day, which to me is bearish for the, the near term, which I see, you know, we had a 1% pullback in the market today. I could easily see another couple percentage points before we hit some major support. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And it's difficult to predict the market, you know, how the Fed's going to react or the, the market's going to react to the Fed, etc. 
but it's important to have a balanced portfolio that fits your goals and your needs. And if you want to sit down with Steve or myself, you can do that. You can sign up for our one-on-one no-cost portfolio reviews. Steve is in San Jose today, so obviously that's full, but he'll be back at the end of uh, of August as well as in Manhattan on September 19th and 20th. I only think he has one more slot left for Manhattan. So if you want to meet with him, you're going to have to call right now to reserve your spot for a complimentary portfolio review consultation. And you can do that by going to register by registering at investtalk.com. And now I'm here taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento. He's looking at VXX. You looking to buy it? You own it? What is it? Um. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, I, I want to buy it, um, but I have two questions. Uh-huh. I, I I was thinking, what do you think about a good buying opportunity right now? And I know it's gone up about five percent already, but and also they always say the the short term play is that because it goes up and down so fast, or is there other reasons why it's a short term play? Well, it's a short-term play because what you're doing is uh, you're basically investing in uh, the the futures, the options market, and der- the derivatives market. Uh, you're not uh, owning anything directly, right? Uh, and so there's a cost of carrying that exposure to shorting the volatility index. Or sorry, going long the volatility index, uh, and that's basically what this is. And you're speculating on uh, on those changes, and so it's it's not a long long term owning uh, call options on the VIX is a losing proposition over the long term because of the 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 premium you're paying uh, for that exposure, uh, and so you're you're not going to gain any money. Uh, in fact, you're going to lose a ton of money on this if you hold it for any length of time. Just All you have to do is simply go uh, to the chart. You know, you go to a monthly chart and this hit a high of $58 back in 2018, right? And now we're at $23, right? So this is yeah. a name that will continue to lose money, continue to decline over time. But like you said, in the short term, it can absolutely have a rip-roaring ride. The fourth quarter of last year went from 25 all the way basically to 50, doubled in the span of three months. And you certainly could see that again if you have a similar market sell-off as you did in the fourth quarter. Now, am I predicting that? No, but that's certainly a, a possibility. And so this is, certain, is absolutely a trading vehicle just like uh, leverage ETFs are as well. Okay. Do you like it right now or no? I do like it for the short term because I do think the the market was disappointed in the in the Fed. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's extremely hard to pinpoint that that top. You know, it's up five percent. I could easily see it running another ten, fifteen, twenty percent from here. Where that stops, it's hard to know. Uh, and I would be be quickly in and quickly out of it. 
very Thanks much. Thanks for the call, Bob. No problem. Now let's take a quick look at some benchmark numbers for today. It was interesting was the Fed cut rates and usually the, the rates rise based on that because of longer term economic prospects, but because this is such a hawkish cut, rates actually dropped. I know that sounds a little confusing, but if you look at the history of rate cuts and, and rate increases, you'll see that they are inversely correlated. So you had a little bit drop in the 10 year today. It closed at 2.02%. You'll see the, the 30 year mortgage rate drop uh, just a tad. Gold was down 14.43 an ounce, as well as oil was down as well. Even though there was a big weekly drawdown of 8.4 million barrels, it's really just an oversupply in general of oil in the marketplace. Bitcoin now above the 10,000 mark, a little bit of a, a boost uh, over the last few days, and it remains above that 9,000 mark. It's a very, very critical number to keep. Bitcoin above that to remain in a bullish pattern. If it doesn't, that is suddenly becomes a very bearish pattern. The, the the best moves come from failed moves, and right now it's consolidating bullishly, the Bitcoin price, but if it breaks nine, that becomes extremely bearish. Now, Apple earnings were out after the bell yesterday. That was up about 5%, hit a high of about $221 per share, still below its all-time high in 2018, last year. And it did become a trillion dollar company once again. iPhone sales were down 12% for its fiscal third quarter, but it showed promising growth in some other areas like serv services as well as wearables. And even though iPhone sales are stalling, it's not a shock. You're going to get new iPhones announced this quarter, probably sometime in mid to late September. And the fourth quarter will likely be a very big, or at least actually their fourth quarter, or their first quarter is our fourth quarter. It's weird when it comes to Apple's um, uh, year. But basically, they're, they're not expecting iPhone growth until latter part of the year. So not a shock. And they have $200 billion in cash on its balance sheet. And I could easily see them using that money for acquisitions if there wasn't some scrutiny from Washington, but I continue to see that as likely coming down the pipeline, even though some of their brethren are likely to hit worse are the other fang names. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to thank you for making this program a part of your routine. Steve and I do our very best to make it interesting, instructive, informative for you each and every weekday. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. And you can search, listen, subscribe, and rate the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. The radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 
888-992-4278. Let's take it through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 30 minutes left, but it's going to fly by fast. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that over the past 22 years, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has consistently told investors that long-term growth is more important than short-term profits, and that was never more true than this last quarter. Last week, Amazon reported earnings, and they were decidedly weaker than expected on the profit side, but better than expected on the revenue side. Actually, yeah, they, they, they exceeded the expectations there. Now, they certainly have a relentless focus on the future, and they've said this for many, many years, okay? And the reason that earnings disappointed this quarter where shipping costs accelerated 36% to its highest in five quarters. And the reason is because they spent more money than projected to make one-day deliveries to Prime members, right? They started off with the two-day delivery and that was to get people used to getting their items fast, right? And now they're trying to get Prime members to get used to getting their items even faster, which, and the reason I believe they're doing this is because other retailers, Target, Walmart, etc., they say, well, if Prime members are getting it two days, we have to match them. We have to match them with two-day shipping. And therefore, a lot of other competitors have come in and said, we can do what you're doing. Well, what Amazon's basically saying is, yeah, well, we can do it even better. We're going to go to one-day shipping. Beat that, right? And they can do this. Amazon has been con- able to condition the consumer to a different level of service, price, shipping, because unlike the other retailers, they haven't been needed. They haven't needed to focus on profits and they like I said for 22 years they've been focused on growth of revenue over profits and you have to say it's worked well for them they are now the second most valuable publicly traded company even though on a profit basis they're nowhere close to the most profitable business now in the 1997 shareholder letter Bezos wrote we will continue to make investment decisions in light of long-term market leadership considerations rather than short-term profitability considerations or short-term Wall Street reactions so they've conditioned the shareholder to do this now even when the dot-com bubble burst and Amazon stock let's see what Amazon stock did back then uh, it's hard to see here we go yeah it was hit out $111 a share in 2000 and sunk to seven, $7 a share, $5 a share, all the way down. So it went down over 95% from its high and still didn't care. Still focused on long-term growth and you can't say it didn't work. Now, Amazon is certainly an anomaly. Uh, I don't think very many businesses can replicate what they've done simply because they've done it in a very asset light way. They don't need a lot of infrastructure to sell other people's goods, right? It's usually, it's a marketplace where other people's goods are being sold. They're not inventorying them. uh, At least they weren't back then nearly as much as they are today. And 
with their supply chain, they do it very uh, asset light in relation to the amount of revenue that they do. So I don't think I think it's very hard for them to replicate uh, or for other companies to replicate what Amazon's been doing. And I think long term, they're going to have to produce profits in times, economic uh, hardship, bear markets, their stock's going to be more volatile and it has been uh, based on history. So expect that. Expect the next downturn. Amazon was around two thousand dollars a share. Now we're at eighteen hundred. Don't be surprised. You see a thousand dollar Amazon price in the depths of the next bear market. It would not be out of the realm of possibility. Now let's grab another caller question. This came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Alvin calling from Memphis, Tennessee. Appreciate the show. Really learn a lot, and thanks for the time that y'all invest in us being better investors. Uh, consider myself a value investor, long-term horizon. I define that as 10 to 15 years. Curious what your thoughts are on the company Solar Edge, stock ticker symbol SEDG. Look forward to hearing the response on the next podcast. Thank you. All right, looking at Solar Edge. It's the name we used to own for clients. We've sold it, and unfortunately, we sold it too soon. Uh, it's now at $65 a share, um, near an all-time high. It peaked last year. Sometime we bought it on the pullback, and it started to rally, and we sold it too, too soon. But I like the name. What they do is they make power inverters for solar panels that just makes the whole systems more efficient. Okay, And that's a competitive advantage. And frankly, I wish we held on to it. But it's a good company. Certainly a little bit overvalued at these levels, $63 a share. So if you're a value investor, that's a little bit uh, of a worry for me. So, But I like the, the sector overall. I like the name. I would be buying it on pullbacks back around the $50 level or below. But at $65, it's a little overbought, a little expensive for me. Thanks for the call. Now, tomorrow's Invest Talk, a financial analyst says millennials should take a few simple steps before they start investing, and there are and that there are three things everyone needs to take care of early on. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? Y charts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. 
So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. This is InvestTalk. Tomorrow, we start a new trading month. But today, Steve Peasley is up in San Jose, conducting his no-cost portfolio reviews. And due to strong demand, Steve will return to San Jose again on August 29th. Then, in September, Steve will travel to New York to meet with listeners on the 19th and 20th, and you can register for free at investtalk.com. But now, Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Michael, a uh, long-time listener of the podcast. Just had a quick question. Um, I've heard Steve talk before about how he paid off his mortgage. He worked out how much he needed to pay uh, over over the top, and he paid off his mortgage uh, doing that within five years or so. The question I have is, if I could take the money that I was going to use to pay off the mortgage and I can earn more with that money in the market than I can on the the interest of my mortgage, then why would I not do that, accumulate more of a lump sum and then be able to pay off my mortgage in full in one go uh, sooner? Thanks um, for your answer on the podcast. Great question. I get this question all the time and it comes down simply to guaranteed versus a maybe. Uh, and sure, long-term uh, investing in the market can earn you a higher return than what you would pay on your mortgage, right? Your mortgage rate, say right now, 4%. Uh, and long-term, the net of inflation or even nominal, you're talking 9, 10, 11% for the equity markets. But A, that's going to be very volatile, uh, and you may need that money, right? You take that money and you invest in the market, you might pull it out at the very wrong time when the market is most advantageous, right? Because maybe you lose your job, right? Whereas if you pay down that mortgage, right, you are guaranteed to not be paying that 4% on whatever you're paying down, right? And so it's really more about, do you wanna be aggressive? Sure, you can be aggressive. That's not the way Steve is. Steve's a conservative guy, as I tend to be as well, just based on our experiences and the numbers and the facts. And so, sure, you can go and invest it and earn a higher return, but it makes more sense to us on your primary residence to pay that down, try to pay that off so you don't have that interest payment, especially now with the way the standard deduction has changed, the mortgage interest deduction is not nearly as advantageous as it used to be. So, you know, before it was, oh, I'll pay that 4%, I, I can write it off. It's, it's not like that anymore to the same degree because of the tax changes. So certainly there's something to consider uh, uh, there as well. But the bottom line is it's just a guaranteed basic return on your money when you pay that down. Now, one tip I will say that whether you're paying it down or not, that everybody should be doing, I think, especially if you get paid every two weeks, is pay half your mortgage 
with each payment or with each uh, uh, paycheck, right? A lot of people, they use one paycheck to pay a bunch of different bills, right? And then they wait until that mortgage is absolutely due and then they use the other paycheck to pay that big lump sum for the mortgage, right? That's what most people do. But if you could say split that in half and pay that half of it with each paycheck, suddenly you're paying half of that mortgage a couple weeks early. And that guess what? That's two weeks less that that mortgage or that amount is compounding interest. And you do that once, it's not going to save you much money. But you continue to do that month after month, year after year, you're going to save a lot of money on interest. And I think everybody should be doing that and deploying that type of strategy. Thanks for the call. Great question. Let's get to mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. We're human beings. We're emotional beings. We tend to do things that are less rational than we should have, uh, you know, decisions that we should have made in hindsight, right? Uh, we focus more on the near term versus the long term. And this was a great study by the Harris Poll uh, on behalf of TD Ameritrade. They said three and four people admitted to making at least one financial mistake, which means the other quarter are lying because, of course, they've made some financial mistake. And what's interesting, though, is what they admit to based on age. Now, the number one answer for millennials was not socking money away in an emergency fund. 41% consider that a major mistake. Whereas the number one answer for baby boomers and Generation X was not investing in a 401k. 56% of Generation X and 65% of boomers listed that as a major mistake. Now, only 33% of millennials thought that was a mistake. They listed things like keeping secrets from a spouse or partner, having a low credit score, etc. And the main reason is fairly obvious here. Boomers, Generation X, they've thought about retirement because it's pretty close for them or it's actually happening for baby boomers. Remember, 10,000 baby boomers retire each and every day. So clearly, they're either thinking about it or in retirement. And the odds are, based on statistics, that they haven't saved enough. And so they see the problems that lack of savings has created for them. And one way that you can avoid this problem is, once again, thinking long-term, but not just thinking long-term, but thinking about who you're going to be 20, 30, 40 years from now and saying, what will I be happy with? What type of life? Probably not a lot of debt, probably a good amount of money saved away so I can travel, so I can spoil my grandkids, so I can simply not worry about working and do something I really want to do, right? Financial freedom. So this is a great poll that just simply reinforces the fact that the vast majority of people are unable or unwilling 
to consider what matters long-term. And the 401k is front and center simply because it's the number one way people save and it's the easiest way that you can save. And if you're avoiding that or you're not maxing it out, not getting the full employer match, you're simply doing not only your, your current self a disservice, but your future self a disservice as well. Now, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And I think it's safe to assume that you're serious about investing since you're listening to Invest Talk. You want to grow your wealth and you want to make good investment decisions. But that's often difficult because fear and greed creep into your judgment process. And we do our best here on Invest Talk to help you filter that out. But often it makes sense to understand your current risk you're taking in your portfolio as well as your risk perception and your risk tolerance. And that's why we have a free online tool at investtalk.com put out by Riskalyze and you can check it out. It's free. They'll give you a risk score 1 to 99. It's kind of like a speed limit. The higher it is, the more risk Sorry, the lower it is, the more risk averse you are and vice versa. And what Steve and I can do can understand your current portfolio, compare it to that number and make sure you're invested correctly for your personality type and your overall goals. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Mike calling from Apple Valley. And I had a question about FX. I and I wanted to know if you guys thought that this might be cheap right now. Thank you. Well, this is the iShares China Large Cap ETF FXI, and it peaked with the overall market in early 2018, and has been a, in a downtrend downtrend, excuse me, ever since. And it only looks like it's going to continue. And the reason why I'm not a big fan of this is because I kind of, I believe, I understand the incentives, the motives, the personalities of both President Trump as well as President Xi, and we're in the midst of a trade war with China. And the sentiment, I think, is only going to get worse in relation to that trade war before it gets better. Simply, there needs to be some sort of major impasse, major problem, major panic that really pushes one side or the other to compromise. And for President Trump, he's in no big hurry. Neither is President Xi. They're in no big hurry at the current time, and therefore I think it's going to continue to drag out, continue to weigh on the Chinese economy, as well as the global economy. And I don't see this coming to a resolution until early middle part of next year because Trump wants to deal before the campaign really gets going in the summer of 2020. He wants to have something he can champion for the American people and tout to his base as well as those who are ho- he's hoping will vote for him. 
And so that's why I continue to see the problems with China, the trade war continuing. And therefore, FXI will have to come to some sort of panic low before I'm going to get into it. And I have not seen that yet. All I see is continuing deterioration technically, and that's why I think it will go lower. But long term, I still think China has a bright future. Just I wouldn't own it right now. Thanks for the call. That was FXI, the Chinese large cap ETF. Now, before I close the show on Monday, I talked a little bit about 12 financial habits that will help you reach financial freedom. And let me review the first five or six. Set life goals. Very simple. Set some goals. If you don't set goals, you're no, you're unlikely to achieve them. Make a budget. Set some time out to create a budget and stick to it. Pay off your credit cards in full. That's pretty simple. Try not to rack up major credit card debt and pay that interest because it's hard to dig yourself out of. Create automatic savings. That goes back to that 401k I talked about. And it can be other things. It can be setting up an IRA and automatic savings into there. That's simple. We do that for clients all the time. Start investing now even if you haven't already. It's never, you should do it now. Even if it's $100, if you've never invested or you're, you've kind of been stagnant recently, just start it. Inertia is a big thing, okay? So start investing now. Watch your credit clearly and negotiate. Negotiate is big. You'd be surprised that it's not just when you're buying a car or buying a house or leasing an apartment or whatever it is, uh, big ticket items. It can be little ticket items as well that you can easily negotiate if you simply ask. It never hurts to ask. Number eight, continuous education. Invest in yourself. You cannot make a better investment than investing in your own education, getting better credentialed. You'd be surprised how much time you have, how much you can get accomplished if you just, once again, create that inertia towards a particular goal, towards a particular education goal that's going to take your career to the next step. Number nine, Proper maintenance, taking care of your home, your car, equipment that you have. Maintenance is a fraction of the cost of replacing a particular item. So make sure that you're maintaining your your, your assets. Live below your means is simple. Don't spend more than you make. Most people have a spending problem, not an income problem. That's the bottom line. Most people are focused on making more money, and you certainly should be. But not making more money isn't the root of your financial problems. The root of your financial problems, if you have any, are spending too much. Okay. Number 11, get a financial advisor. Even if it's just some something small, something basic, uh, you maybe don't have a lot of money, have somebody you can bounce financial ideas off of that you trust. And then number 12, and I think this really should be number one, health. Take care of your health over all other things. Health is wealth. If you aren't feeling yourself, if you aren't eating right, exercising, getting proper rest, all the other money things don't matter. And frankly, your financial life will suffer along with your health because you can't go out there, make money for a family, be productive for your family and yourself. Okay, so those are, I think, 
great habits to continue with long-term in order to reach your financial freedom. So I hope that helped. Now we're about to head into the last break. So if you have a question on today's show about the Fed meeting, about an asset class, real estate, commodities, bonds, stocks, whatever it is, give me a call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday on Invest Talk, and it's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. On the next Invest Talk, a financial analyst says millennials should take a few simple steps before they start investing. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. I have a question related to stock PayPal, P-Y-P-L. I've been watching it uh, for a couple of months now, but looks like there's a pullback to around $111 level. My question is, do I still need to wait for a deeper pullback? Or is this a good price to buy something? I'll be a question on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right. Looking at PayPal Holdings, I think most people know who PayPal is. They also own Venmo as well, which is a glowing, a growing, excuse me, uh, digital payment platform. Revenues over the last two quarters have grown about 12%. And that's a decided deceleration from a year ago, which when when earnings or sorry revenues were growing in the mid twenty percent uh, area, but earnings are up forty eight percent, which is the highest level year over year over the last two years, which is good. No dividend, one hundred and thirty billion dollar market cap, return on equity nineteen percent. I like that, but technically it is certainly breaking down, and I do think the reason is, is it's it's overvalued. It's at enterprise value to EBITDA is thirty two, which is high for me. Yes, they're growing. Yes, it is. FinTech is a, a hot area of the marketplace for now. But I would like to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 on an enterprise value to EBITDA uh, multiple. And they don't have any debt, so I like that. And that's why I think this is a name that I would like to own below $100 a share. I'm thinking closer to the mid-80s, mid to high 80s. That's where I would pick up PayPal. I don't think the downdraft has been deep enough. I think we're in the midst of a rotation out of growth names and into more value names. And I think PayPal and the like will reprice to something that's still more expensive than the average stock. But more realistic, more reasonable at somewhere in the in the 20s when it comes to enterprise value to EBITDA. And that's why I see more of a, a 20% continuation downside from here into the high to mid 80s. And that's where I would pick it up around the 200-day moving average, which, like I said, right now is in that high 80 range. So I would hold off. Now let's end with an idea that I think will be beneficial for everybody. And this is an interesting idea, and it, it goes back to a military, not ritual, but activity. And it was a pay, it was they were, it was scheduled payday activities. Uh, and what that would mean is when soldiers got paid, they gave them half day 
to go pay bills and do all the things they needed with that money to make sure are there, all their bills were paid, nothing was past due, etc. Now, in the digital age, that's changed a little bit, but I still think it is a great idea for everybody to set aside a few hours once a month, hopefully during business hours, to think about your financial life. Don't do it at 11 o'clock at night where you can't really get anything done, can't go talk to anybody. And what you want to do with this time is take care of all the things that you have piled up that you kind of ignore. That isn't changing your financial life in and of itself dramatically. But it's kind of one of those things where everybody overlooks an account they have here, a bill that they they still need to pay, an account that they're getting charged for, right? Maybe a streaming service uh, that they don't really use anymore. Think of all the things that you waste money on just simply by not taking care of them or maybe not negotiating, calling up your cell phone carrier, negotiating a lower price, same with your cable bill, making sure your passport's up to date, making sure your trust is up to date, making sure your investment accounts are allocated properly, you're rebalancing them. Think of all of these things that most people don't cover. And the reason they don't cover it is because they're not setting aside, setting aside time to really think about it in depth. And I think everybody should do that is find a couple hours a month to really sit down and tackle all of these issues and more and make a list of them. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here and I will return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.